Shapeshifters. Shapeshifters on The Money Show. So all night tonight, you've been sharing your favorite craft beers with me. Tonight, Shapeshifter hasn't been mentioned, so he's going to be very grumpy with you. But I want to talk to you about your favorite beers. I want Jack Black in the False Bay area, all over Cape Town. Jack Black, you get lots of that, James and Glen Cairn. The Darling Brewery gets lots of mentions, and it's primarily the Cape Tonians tonight who are talking about uh, who are talking about craft beers. Drymans in Pretoria from Achim gets a mention as well. Um, the best craft beer is at the Long Beach Green Room. It's an India pale ale with a perfect balance of flavor, depth, smoothness, and freshness. <sighs> Rob, stop it. I can't speak if I'm salivating. Uh, and then, of course, the versus Goliath got a message, uh, got a mention earlier. Uh, lots of mentions of different craft beers in South Africa. What I love about the craft beer revolution that we're seeing in South Africa is that it's creating a brand new industry. It's creating jobs. It's creating employment. It's creating a new taxable opportunity as well. And that is absolutely brilliant. The last time we spoke about craft beer, it was the wondrous achievement about the KZN-based Zulu Blonde, which for a while found itself brewed and sold in a UK pub chain. The craft beer industry going from strength to strength and it's really good to see the growing number of pubs and restaurants also carrying several craft beers, sometimes on tap, sometimes in bottles. How many are there? I don't know, but maybe tonight's guest does. I'd like to do a craft beer road trip. Somebody else driving, of course, across South Africa, but of course, from KZN into Clarence in the Free State and you go down to the Eastern Cape to Port Elizabeth, for example, where Lex Mitchell, who started this revolution 30 years ago in Neisner, has opened up a brand new <coughs> brew pub um, in Port Elizabeth. It's absolutely magnificent. The stout is... Just fantastic. Um, and, and then, of course, you you get to the Western Cape. Gauteng has got lots of breweries as well. I'm getting quite emotional about this. But I'm joined this evening by somebody who's far more emotional about beer than I. Ndumiso Matlala is the chief beer officer at Mad Mead Brewing. They brew, amongst other things, Soweto Gold. You started your career like so many other people in South Africa, in particular in this craft sector at SAB. Yes, indeed, uh, Bruce. Um uh, thanks for having me here, and good evening to all the 702 listeners. Yes, SAP um, has been very wonderful to me. Um, they, I've been, I was at SAP for six years. Because uh, you're a chemical engineer by training, right? I'm a chemical engineer by trade, and in, actually, when I finished my, my degree um, in 2001, I got a lucky break. I went to do my Master of Science in Chemical Engineering at the University of Twente in the Netherlands, where I was actually introduced to beer. Uh, I wrote my thesis on cross-flow microfiltration of beer. Boy, that must have been <clears> fun. Cross-flow microfiltration of beer. Is that what is absolutely central to microbrewing? It is actually a technology that was earmarked to replace um, the, the traditional filtration technology, okay. which is Kisselgu. Right. Um, upon returning to South Africa, then um, I was whisked, whisked away to, to SAP, where I qualified as a brewer in 2007. And, of course, in 2007, there was that exciting period where I'm still suddenly uh, revoked the license uh, uh, from SAP and Heineken made a decision to actually enter the South African market. And actually, I found myself moving across to Heineken uh, oh, to start you? up. Okay, do we, you went to Sedi Bang to the new brewery That's there? That's right. Okay. And, and that was wonderful experience, Bruce. I got to see that brewery being constructed from scratch. And I actually uh, actively participated in managing the brewery as a brewing and utilities manager. Um, and in fact, the idea of starting my own microbrewery uh, came to me in 2011.
seven when I was in a brewing class in uh, Bedingham-on-Trent, which is the capital city of beer. I mean, Bedingham-on-Trent is in the United Kingdom, isn't it? And it is the, the epicenter of traditional brewing. That's right. Whilst I was in class and we were introducing ourselves, I mean, I suddenly found myself uh, in the mix of people who were all from very small breweries, and I was really the odd one out who was from a massive brewery. And the idea of making my own small brewery started uh, fermenting in my head then. Um, in fact, in 2011, I even pretty much wholly left work because I, I was very naive then. I thought, you know, with such an exciting idea, I'll have a, a whole a line of <laughs> investors wanting to invest in this venture, um, only to find that things are not that easy. So I was actually um, uh, sucked back into employment. And I, of course, I never crossed bridges with, um, bend my bridges with SAP, a wonderful company. I mean, they've been yeah. absolutely fantastic to me. They welcomed they t- me they back. They took you back. Yes, they welcomed me back. Even though you were planning to go leave them again. <laughs> All right. They welcomed me back. And in fact, I, I, I further got a very good experience with them. Mm. I worked in... Um, but give, give me a sense of like when you, you, you first... Uh, what's the first thing you do in a brewery? Um, <laughs> when you first sort of, I don't know, lay the cornerstone or whatever it is you do when you open up a microbrewery. Ah, okay. What's very important in opening up a microbrewery is, is planning. Uh, it's very important to actually choose a good location. Um, 90% of beer is water, so yep. a good water source is always a very good starting point. Um, in our case with our brewery in Soweto, we actually look for a place that has a good water supply. But are you using <clears throat> rand water or are you using groundwater? We are using rand water, which, okay. by the way, we've sent to a couple of uh, laboratories across South Africa, and it was found to be of very good quality. But on top of that, what we do is we still filter the water to brewing standard. Well, I mean, you want to take out the chlorine. You want to take out any sure. sort of sense of taste of anything, any kind of potential impurities there. Yes, yeah. we also filter our water down to one micron, so it removes most of the pathogens found, found mm. in water. Uh, I mean, but you, you, so when, when did the brewery, when did you then start actually brewing? We actually, um, uh, well, how I started it, I started with the kitchen recipe. And I have to give credit to my wife for that, who was very much helpful in assisting with, with all of this. A kitchen recipe, you've got to explain this. Well, you worked at SAB, you worked at Heineken, you know how to make beer. You that's right. And so you needed to do, what did you do in the kitchen first? You, the recipe always starts on paper. Yeah. You have to know what to add and how much. And then what I did was I tried um, um, these additions in the kitchen and it tasted good. And then after that, we had how to scale it up. How do you make beer up. in the kitchen? Well, I actually was using a simple pot. Uh, thermometer is very important because you have to control the temperature. Um, the wonderful thing about malt, which is a, a premium ingredient, in, which is a prime ingredient in making beer, is it's got its own concoction of enzymes. Mm. So when you heat it up to right temperatures, it will actually break all the starch into simpler sugars by itself. Right. So you can actually do it in your, in your kitchen so long as you control the temperature. Um, of course, after the kitchen recipe, it was very important for us to scale it up. So we went around South Africa looking for somebody who can actually um, produce uh, Soweto Gold f- uh, for us, so a third-party production partner. And in this, we found a wonderful place in the Rodin's estate in Wazulu Natal. Is actually one of the more seasoned microbrewers, yeah. Peter Dean. Now, R- um, Rodin's is wonderful at Nottingham yes, Road. At Nottingham um, Road, yes. And they, they produce uh, pickled pig and right. uh, wicked weasel and pie-eyed possum and a couple yes. of others. I've yes. tasted them, you can tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and so they, they started brewing for you, but you're brewing on your own now, aren't you? In fact, we are very close to brewing uh, okay. for our own. Um, how, how, how then we, we, we proceeded with, no- with Nottingham is we then started 
brewing bigger batches, 2,000 litres, and then we start transporting the beer up to Johannesburg. In the meantime, we're busy setting up our own microbrewery, which I have tested the system. It's it's a wonderful system that we bought. We actually bought... How much it, it costs to set up a microbrewery? It cost me um, above 8 million rand. <laughs> Brewing but isn't, I, but, but, I have to state, oh, I have word. to state, Bruce, yeah. that we've done things very properly. I'm very proud of what we've done in Soweto. We've set up the microbrewery very properly. One of the few, few microbreweries that actually. But eight million to start up. What sort of volume will that give you? Um, in what, how we designed the breweries, we've bottlenecked it at fermentation because fermentation vessels are available locally, so we can always buy fermentation tanks locally. So what's installed at the moment, it's thirty thousand liters, but. Current projections already show us surpassing that volume by by spring. So we're actively now investing in bigger fermenters, which we are procuring locally. Okay, I mean, it's, but I mean, your startup capital then is eight million rand before you buy the bottles, before you buy the the, the malt, the barley, um, before you get the water connected, all of that sort of stuff. It's a it's a pricey enterprise to start. Guys who've been at it for longer than you, um, Russell Mayer, head of global marketing for Boston Breweries, they produce something called the Hazard Ten Ale. You're still making that. Killer Russell Mayer, ten percent alcohol in beer. Are they? Yeah, no. Uh, we've actually kind of changed it a little bit. Um, the brand is still kind of there. Um, we've just rebranded. Um, the beer is still there, but we just rebranded now to Loaded Cannon Ale. So slightly <laughs> changed cannon. recipe, but just as good. Uh, I mean, you guys have been at this for how long at Boston Brewery, Russell? Um, yeah, Chris Bond, the owner of the company, started um, the company in about 1999. You know, in 2000 was our first official beer we released, which was our flagship product, uh, Boston Lager. And since then, we've you know we've grown steadily. Um, I, I like the story of Soweto Gold. Um, I think um, Dumisa has got uh, the right approach. You know, just to do it slowly and 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 over time, you know, hone the skills. And develop the brand. So, and, spot and, on there. and also utilizing other people's facilities, utilizing their spare capacity as well. Because why go into this and drop eight million rand before you bottle your first beer? Um, because <laughs> you you headed for you headed for a hiding there if you're not careful. Yeah, correct. I mean, it, it, it is a big um, capital outlay. Um, you know, that's why guys need to to think about how to go about it, find ways to do it. I think Misa's got it spot on. You know, just um, approach it carefully. Uh, do do the the right research, um, hone your skills, and you know before long uh, productivity increases and you have a, a viable um, brewery that has longevity. Now, give me a sense, please, about exports. You're talking about yourself as the head of global marketing. Have you turned Boston Brewery from Cape Town into an export business? Uh, not quite. I mean, I stand corrected there. It's not quite global. Uh, <laughs> we, we focus very much on our local nice, market nice, within our nice, borders. Nice title, though. Nice title. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where that came from. Okay. <laughs> um, give, give, me, give me a sense, though, of, of just the volumes that you're managing to produce at the moment. Well, generally, you know, we, we, have, nine, we have nine different brands. Um, we've, we've grown it over the last 14 years. Our volumes obviously fluctuate from, from, from uh, season to season. Uh, we have brands that do really well over summer, season, summer seasons. And then, you know, we have some winter brands that, that excel, you know. Um, Generally, you know, we're doing in excess of about eighty to ninety thousand liters a month. Um, you know, it's it, it's a little bit of a different story, um, but you know, we're lucky in that we, we we do also a little bit of contract brewing. We started to move away from that, um, you know, and concentrate on 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 what we have and and just focus on that. You know, how big is this market? Are we seeing about what three or four million liters of of microbrew um, being being consumed a year, or is it more than that? 
Um, the last figures that uh, that uh, that we received was, you know, the, the microbrewing industry accounted for about five five point eight million liters. Okay, so, um, um, so, okay. so you know, in terms of of what our friend SOB are doing, um, you know, we're we're still the micro dot. Um, but the exciting thing is that it grows month on month, year on year, and uh, you know that's what we need to focus on, rather than being giants just. Continue to 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 experiment and push the boundaries for beer profiles, styles, flavors, you know, and and the rest will just sort itself out. Russell Mayer, thanks for talking to us tonight, the head of uh, marketing at Boston Breweries. Um, and so, I mean, you listen to the story; these guys have been out for fourteen years. You're just really starting out on your journey. They've, they've, you've got some great role models, I think, in South Africa to follow, from Lex Mitchell to these guys. Yes, no, indeed. Uh, what 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 is exciting though about our project is the location that we chose. I mean, Soweto being an iconic uh, neighborhood. But Soweto is a prime. Uh, it's the prime market for Castle Light, for Castle, for Black Label. SAB has got that market so buttoned down through every single Shabin and through every single pub uh, in that part of the world. You're going in and you're going to go and pick a fight with a dragon that breathes fire. I've stated this many times, Bruce, that I don't see myself as competition to SAP. In fact, SAP supports uh, microbreweries. They support me. They are selling uh, malt uh, to my business. Good. Um, and hops as well. Um, what we are aspiring to do is to actually brew a premium product for an aspiring uh, Soweto population. Um, and, of course... What we are creating as well is a is a tourist destination now brewery. Ubuntu Crow Brewery. We want where, where, whereabouts is the brewery? The the brewery is actually two two streets uh, below Villagasa Street, okay. which which you're already in, is, you're in prime you know, tourism it territory. It is a prime tour, uh, tourism territory. We actually um will be opening up the brewery for uh, brewery tours. We'll be opening up. We already have set up a beer garden. We're just waiting for uh, finalization of our uh, on 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 site uh, say, sales, um, and and we hope that um, you know every single bus that comes into Soweto will pass by the brewery and, and taste our beer too. Everybody wants to talk about craft beer, and Dumiso Matlala is the chief beer officer at Mad Mead Brewing. Joanne and Morafontaine, uh, why is location important when it comes to breweries? Joanne, is this your area of expertise? Absolutely, I, I say breweries that um, it has to be allied to something that's a destination. You know, breweries need to be something that is... People want to go on a Sunday or Saturday to just relax, enjoy, um, soak up the beers. You know, it's got to be a destination. There must be a venue. It's it's very important for breweries in the country. And I will say I was in the States about um, three months ago, and 33%. Of all beers sold in the state by 2015 will be craft beers, and that is such good news. That is extraordinary. Joanna Mortefontaine, brilliant insight. Thank you very much for that. 33% of all beer in the U.S. by 2015 will be craft beer, so much so that SAB Miller actually owns craft beers in the U.S. Do you see them going that way here at some point in the future? Well, last I counted, uh, Bruce, we had 52 breweries in South Africa. We've got 52 breweries Micro in South breweries, Africa. Micro breweries, yes. Um, if, if you look Fantastic. in the past, what uh, Carlsberg uh, has done in Denmark is they've, they've bought all the microbreweries. So it won't be a surprise for me if SAP decides to go that route in the future. In the U.S. at the moment, uh, craft beer is quite big and it is actually becoming competition for them. So in South Africa, it's very exciting to see these breweries coming up and in a couple of years, I expect the the, the craft beer to be, you know, quite quite a, a good competition for SAP. Jason Cedarwall is the owner of Craft Liquor Merchants. They're distributors of craft beers. Jason, how's this market treating you? 
Evening, Bruce. Um, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, we started our little operation two odd years ago from spending some da- uh, some time down in the Mother City and seeing these amazing kind of craft beers, the likes of Darling and Jack Black um, down there, and then coming back to Joburg and asking my local liquor store where I could get these beers, and nobody really had them. And uh, kind of that's how it all started, out the back of a car, essentially. And over the last two years, you know, we've managed to you know, uh, get 11 brands to market. Um, and, you know, we've seen this amazing growth year on year where it's, you know, now we're getting the big chain stores calling us now where two years ago we were being turned away by more kind of outlets than, than what we were being accepted in. What What is leading it? Is it public demand for craft beer? Is it the chain stores trying to push craft beer because they see it as a potential product line of the future? What are the dynamics there, Jason? Yeah, I think it kind of works both ways. I think that craft beer is getting to the point now where I guess the chain stores are starting to ask for it because consumers are starting to demand it. So they're only starting to ask it because they've got customers walking into their stores asking for these brands. So I think that that's been an amazing kind of um, mindset shift from a consumer point of view where, like I said, 24 months ago, it wasn't on the lips of anyone or kind of been passed on the lips from a beer perspective. What's, um, your, what's your biggest remover, Jason? Um, from a volume perspective, um, uh, Jack Black would be our biggest, yeah. purely because um, from their draft strategy, um, which is kind of directly correlated to the volume. I mean, you can't go anywhere in Cape Town without Jack Black being on tap yeah. somewhere. And that, and that's, I mean, it's almost, it's fantastic for them, um, yeah. but, but you also want to see a second and a third tap appear in pubs as well. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. And we're starting to see that as well. I think, you know, we always kind of call us, ourselves as proudly South African and we're a beer-drinking nation. You know, the reality is we're a lager-drinking nation. I think what craft beer is brought to the table is an amazing array of beers. You know, you have a look at someone like Devil's Peak who haven't launched a lager. You know, that's that says something. You know, they've you know they've, they've really gone after these mm. these big bold beers, and now we started to see draft taps of those beers starting to go up. You know, you mentioned IPAs, India Pale Ale oh, earlier on. Yeah. Stop it. They you know they make amazing <laughs> amazing beers. So it's great to see those kind of draft taps starting to go up and not just the lagers. Are you selling Soweto Gold? Are you distributing Soweto Gold? We are not um, distributing Soweto Gold at this time. Okay, well, we'll put you in touch then with Ndumiso this evening. Jason Cedarwall, thank you. Um, again, here's a distributor for you. Distribution strategy, have you got that sorted out? Do you go through an intermediary like Jason or do you do it another way? At the moment, we we have both strategies. We have um, a distributor currently uh, for the Gauteng market, but we also do quite a lot of our own distribution. Um, in the future, we'll obviously. But if be you're producing for, thirty thousand plus liters a month, it's going to get quite difficult to sort of pack it onto the back of a bucky and go and do the deliveries yourself. No, for sure, and it's 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 early days. So guys like Jason um, are, are quite interesting for us because mm. they actually even take us to exotic markets like the Western Cape, and we're really <laughs> looking forward to that. No, but I mean, also the brand is really strong. I mean, <clears> the brand Soweto globally is well known, and it's an optimistic take on Soweto. Um, uh, the gold uh, affiliation is nice and strong as well. Um, did you, have you had professional branding done or is it? Uh, did you use your SAB experience to go onto the back of a, a napkin and drop your own labels and stuff? No, it was, we actually used um, local talent. It was a local Soweto guy who actually did the branding for us. Fantastic. And of course, there's no better name than Soweto Gold. I mean, the neighborhood of Soweto itself uh, came to being because of gold. Um, and of course, I mean, Soweto, I mean, where do you find um, a, a place where two Nobel 
Price Laureates are uh, staying in the same street. Completely. So it is it is a name that we hope is going to take us uh, globally. Um, when you look at the fact that uh, this is an it's a it's a, a relatively new industry for South Africa, it's sort of taken off in recent years. Can you create jobs in Soweto? Is this a job opportunity? Um, the biggest challenge that we have in in actually sustainably creating jobs, and and I really would like. Uh, Bruce, that you invite uh, me back here and the the panel of microbrewers together with the Minister of Finance and the Minister of SMMEs to discuss the issue of excise duty. Um, we find it excise duty is a wonderful way for governments to raise tax. So they do it, and SAB complains about it around the world. But is this what's killing microbrews? Because people, Scott Sargent, amongst others, saying hopefully prices come down as demand increases because craft beer is very expensive. A large part of that is excise. Yes, for sure. If you do a Pareto on, on production costs, excise sticks out like a sore thumb, and that's something that we need to address uh, with the government to see how they can uh, assist us um, in in actually. Uh, can they give you a break and not SAB a break? That's the trouble, isn't it? They can't it is, seem to be favouring the, the little guys. But maybe up to a certain volume, you get an excise-free stamp. Look, we'll talk about it in the future. I've been absolutely inspired and I'm absolutely moved and I can't wait to see Soweto Gold in my local pub, Ndumiso Matlala, the chief beer officer at Mad Mead Brewing. Lots of calls coming through this evening. Thank you for that. Beer Guavara, Andy Cook. Sorry we couldn't get to you, but I just love the fact we've got more than 50 microbreweries around the country. Two years from now, let's have 100.